0: we go there we go all right yeah, but are we live yeah, yeah. 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 i do believe we are really oh stand by stand by oh we are we are ready? oh my god thank god
1: it's a podcast not a cast pod you're taking your earrings off every t- already she's getting ready to fight folks oh <laughs> take my pearls out this show out. <laughs> <laughs> He's getting ready to fight.
0: Oh, my God. Uh, crew, welcome to the Hey Frase podcast. You guys are amazing. It is Wednesday. We are live in studio here at Podcast Village out of Georgetown in Washington, D.C. I am your host, Sarah Fraser, along with the fabulous A.J. on the mic. Woo! My girl. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, my God. Today, can I just tell you, we have an incredible show for you. And I feel like, you know, I, I was... Thinking about this overnight, I got up this morning with Dan. I I called AJ. I wanted to talk through this with AJ. So today on the show, we have someone who is coming back. His name is Chris Doyle. You guys might remember a couple of years ago, Sammy and I went out to Manassas, Virginia, and we interviewed a therapist who was all about sexual identity uh, and gender therapy. Essentially, what that means is helping people find and navigate through their sexuality. Some of his clients are people who are not sure if they're gay or straight. Now, the controversial part of this has been that it's been associated with conversion therapy, which is very controversial in this country, very controversial in Europe. And the whole thing with conversion therapy has been that a lot of people are sent to, for lack of a better word, these like Jesus camps where they're sometimes electrocuted tortured all these things and in order to try to not be gay so when i interviewed chris a couple years ago he was so amazing he was so open and really i think both sammy and i stepped back because we'd really gone into the the interview thinking okay this is really going to be like a fight like we don't agree with this like we don't agree with conversion therapy obviously you guys know i have two gay uncles who have had partners lifelong time so and so many lgbtq people listen to this show i went to an all-women's college i've seen this um so I am such an advocate for Ben and gay Pride for years and years you know I love people people being who they truly are oh yeah and that's really the show right I mean this show is anything goes we're entertaining we're enter- inspiring we want you to design your own life be who you are we you celebrate all everybody spaces. to feel welcome exactly but along the way too i I thought of Chris and I thought of this because it's interesting in my life I have three friends three people one person who to this day I believe is not really truly living their truth I I believe this person is a lesbian, feels that they cannot actually be openly gay for a lot of reasons. And then I have two people that I know, a woman that I went to college with, another person who actually went to conversion therapy. So when one like was counseled by a rabbi for a long time, she went on to marry like a woman. Now they have a kid. But it was very traumatic. And these things are interesting to me because when we talk about designing our own lives on this show... You know, we also never ask, like, oh, maybe there's someone listening that is struggling with sexuality. Maybe they don't feel like they really identify as gay. They're not straight. Yeah. Everything in between. So, Chris, ironically, it's funny. I was was thinking about Chris. And and Chris is here today. Chris is here on the mic. Welcome, Chris. Good to be here. Chris Doyle, you are so brave. Well, you might not be thanking us at the end. Our audience could hate you. We're not sure.
2: (laughs) It wouldn't be the first time. (laughs)
0: They really hate you, so we're not sure yet. Um, but we're going to get into this. We, we've got some commercials. We want to promote our live show, too. But you have written a book, and um, you, one of the gentlemen that is, is a rep for you uh, reached out to me, and it's called The War on Psychotherapy, When Sexual Politics, Gender Ideology, and Mental Health Collide. Um, and it's funny because we talk a lot about you. I don't know if you would ever would go on Fox, but, you know, I've been a contributor a long time at Fox 5. I,
2: I've been on Fox.
0: You have? Have you been on Fox Local? Because yes. they love you. They ask about you all the time.
2: I love. About a year ago.
0: Really? Mm-hmm. How did it go? Did you have a good experience?
2: It was great. The uh, Monica um, Monica Cleary?
0: Yes, Ronica Cleary? Ronica Cleary, yes. Yes, did Ronica come out and interview you? Yes, she did. Oh, my God. Fantastic. Yeah, she was great. Well, you're going to be here today to answer people's questions. Um, we we promoted this. Um, the thing that I like about you and like having you on is I always feel like I walk away from this conversation with middle ground. I never feel like you are hateful. I never feel like you are judging somebody or saying to someone like you're going to hell because you're gay or transgender. Um, which is you know what I always want. I always want the audience to come to this show and love themselves and be who they are. And you sure. know, and, I mean, also, a and also and also be
2: enlightened and learn something. Right?
0: Be enlightened. Be and learn something. Yes. And feel like – because what I love about what you do is nothing is worse. And I've seen my friends be so tortured yeah. by their sexuality and who they are. And nothing is worse than not living as who you truly are.
2: Well, it's tormenting to feel that you can't be who you are. And also, you know, good psychotherapy helps people understand who they really are and come come to terms with that. Um, bad psychotherapy is making people feel bad for who they are. And that's not what I do.
0: Right. And trying to basically – pray the gay away or whatever, you know. It's My like,
2: God, I tried that for years. It didn't yeah. work. <laughs> we're talk Please about don't do that if you're listening.
0: <laughs> we're going to totally talk about that. Um, so you're here with us. Hang tight. Um, AJ and I, there's a few. We usually do this thing called poppin', which is everything in pop culture. Um, so we're going to hit that actually first because then we want to really dedicate some time to talking about you. If you guys are on our YouTube live stream and you have qu- questions for Chris, you can leave them right now and then we will answer those. So Chris Doyle is here. And it's, tell me again, it's sexual identity...
2: Sexual and gender identity affirming therapy.
0: It is so fascinating. You all, you, are you taking on new clients? All the time. Okay. Manassas, Virginia. Um, and, and you take on to, we'll get into and this. And all over
2: the world. I have people contact me from all over the world. I do, uh, you know, zoom video consultations and, and coaching. I love for people it. Outside the country.
0: I do have some, I've been reading your book though, but it's a little conservative. It's heavy. It's heavy. It's heavy. Yeah. yeah. So it we'll definitely into-
2: makes a strong, uh, strong point for some of the bias that's going on out there.
0: Yes, we'll talk all about that. So I want to get into it. Um, okay, so Chris will be back with us in a second. You guys, I want to remind you, we have a show, a live podcast show coming up June 20th, Amp by Strathmore in Rockville. AJ and I are going to be doing the show. Schmiggy and Schman are making special appearances. Oh my God, can you even w- believe it? Now, what are you having to do
1: to get Schman to go up on stage? Because we know that Schman is not like Mr. Stage. Schman is not Mr. Stage. Um, So far, nothing. Like he, you He's know. Been okay, You asked him and you were like, Listen. Well, I mean, you know, I sort of fudged it, and I said, "Look, uh, it'll only be like <laughs> we five may minutes." May or may not, right, right, right. It'll only be like five minutes. Don't and, worry, um, you know. It'll little do really they know, we're going to do like an entire dating. This is your final show before the wedding, actually, so it's super exciting. Well, before I'm single, yeah. Oh wow, this is the last. I mean, you're not really single, but yeah, the, before well, the ring. Yeah, it's the I'm calling the, the before show before the ring. Exactly, it's going to be all out. It's going to be all out. Are you going to get naked on stage? Probably birthday I mean, suit. Let's <laughs> I go. know, know, you know no, that's what like, I'm most excited uh, to be honest, because I, I mean, know it's the truth. That, yeah, you know, I can't it's, come to
2: that. <laughs> <yeah>.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Chris sorry. is going to be like, um, yeah, I yeah, I'll be all out there. No, that's what I'm sorry. No, we, this show we're bringing out all the stops. It's really just going to be an actual Hey, phrase you me show, which I'm really excited for. I am too, and I feel like we'll be able to announce your TV announcement. I feel by that time we should be able to, right? I mean I, I, I don't even so. know the terms of this so <laughs> like yeah 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 we can yeah no we have a lot of announcements for that show I do too. I feel like that Schmiggy and Schman will be on stage. We're working on some special guests. Yes. And we're
0: also going to launch a new special project and, and give somebody in the audience a very special gift. So I'm really excited about the show. Tickets are on sale. Um, VIP tickets are $40, $25 general admission. The VIP gets you a swag bag with over $100 in goodies, gets you priority seating, gets you a discount code for our new Hey Phrase merch that we're going to launch. We're doing a VIP cocktail hour after so you can come before and after actually. So doors open at 630. You can come have drinks Drinks have light bites. And by strathmore.com is the website. Click on Hey Phrase. You'll see AJ and me, our pictures. Boop. Order your tickets. I am so excited for that show. Well, excited. All right, girl. What, has everything else been going well? I got so many sweet messages, by the way, from people who were saying to me, don't worry about some of your friends RSVPing no to your wedding.
1: It's one of those things. Right. Thanks. She was she, you came in Monday. Shook us. I mean, you were like pissed. You're like, <laughs> I have no friends. AJ. And I was like, Sarah, actually, you just have to think people are at different stages in their lives. So what did people say? Like, don't worry well, about it. A lot of people were like, don't worry about it. Happened to me. And I thought this was really good. But someone did
0: remind me. They said, basically, you're having a destination wedding. So a lot of more people would be really? coming if you were doing it in D.C.,
1: Which I thought, you know, a lot of your friends. Okay, but a lot of your friends here. I feel like you have been here a while, but all of your friends have lived all over the country. Uh, Yeah, I mean, they could come. Like, I mean, it's called a vehicle. It's got four tires. Heads north. I mean, you know, like now, my brother, he did it in Mexico, and and still they had like 150 people coming. I mean, they do have a lot of friends. At this rate, I could be pressed to get 120. (laughs) Like, I mean, if. At this rate, if we get, you know, a good 25, we're in good shape, folks. I did have a
0: funny story, too, though, because um, this week, you know, we keep getting our RSVPs back and uh, we did. We actually ended up sending our RSVP to the wrong address of a a couple who then actually wrote back and they RSVP'd no. And they were like, hey, sorry, I think you got the wrong family. And they declined. They fucking declined too. I know. Return to sender. Deny your return invitation. They go wrong.
1: Reposa family, and we're not coming. Okay. Wrong
0: you. Why don't you come anyway? That's what they
1: said. Why would they should send the whole thing back so you could send it and repurpose it in another envelope? Thank you. No. No. They were like, (laughs) they opened that shit up, said wrong Reposa family, and still declined. It's probably some woman named Cheryl, and she's like wine drunk. She's like, no, it's not me. Send this bitch back. My aunt Cheryl is coming though. Love on Cheryl. Can't wait to meet on Cheryl. <laughs> Aunt Cheryl's coming. Can't yes. wait to meet on. You have an Aunt Cheryl classic. Yeah. My Aunt Cheryl and Uncle Larry. They're like you know two of my favorite people. If I was the wrong Raposa family, I would just show up to the wedding and be like, what's good, y'all? Like and you're like, wait. Wedding crasher, right? We need to do, we need to crash a wedding. I would. Well, we if I were the Raposa
0: family, I would have crashed our wedding. That's what I'm saying. Raposa, you you missed out. Or wouldn't you just not respond at all? You'd be like, oh, well, clearly these people. I don't know. Dan thought it was sweet. He's like, look, they actually took the time to uh, respond. Instead and of, I, haven't,
1: I haven't even sent back an RSVP. And the Raposa Wrong family has sent back an RSVP. Oh, did you're coming. You are. You're, well, you already know I'm coming, but I, I had should to be I should drive nice you and, up and, like, do you want to work that week, by the way? Like, we could just oh, work. Oh, classic. <laughs> okay, yeah. Fly me up to Maine. We'll do a whole entire podcast from the Comfy Dome. Your brother owns, you know, that whole he dome would thing. I love that. Maine Why don't is we beautiful. Do a podcast? Isn't Maine gorgeous? Have you been up there, Chris?
2: We did a vacation, uh, my wife and I, before we had kids, our, our second year of marriage. Gorgeous. And my wife was, like, seven months pregnant. She caught the biggest fish, like, that season on one of those deep, deep sea fishing boats.
0: Oh, yeah, sure. You were out, like, straight bass fishing or something? That was awesome. Oh, my God. See? And a, and the weather bass. is awesome. The weather is beautiful. In August, it will be
2: the best. Yeah, it'll be like 70 degrees.
0: I know. <laughs> <Ooh>. That <laughs> sounds nice perfect.
2: It'll um, be 100 here and we'll all be
0: sweating. Yeah, it be like 70 up there. Um, so anyway, I had that story happen. I want to thank a couple of our sponsors. Then I do want to get a couple of pop culture stories in and then we'll, we're going to turn our attention all to Chris. Um, We have to thank Free to Move. Absolutely love Free to Move, the new car sharing app. You can download the app at any app store. It's good for your iPhone and for your Android. It's free, the number two Move. The best part about them is they provide all the insurance, the gas. You don't have to worry about anything. You get in the car, you don't have to worry about the wear and tear. You rent it. Say you want to rent a car in D.C., drive out to Virginia for the day. Free to Move car sharing app is for you. Plus, when you enter code free, you get a $20 credit. That's like your first ride free. Hello? No. Um... No. All you do, upload your license plate on their app. It takes about 48 hours to get approved. I did. I'm now approved. Currently, they only have vehicles in D.C. So this is for like our D.C. residents, people that work in D.C. Um, but pretty soon then they'll be in Virginia. So if you're in Arlington, if you're in Fairfax, you can pick up a free-to-move car, drive in and out of the city, and then drop it anywhere in the free-to-move districts. Download their app today. It's free. The number two move car sharing app and enter code phrase $20. Um, and by the way, we always say this because it's the best way to support this show is to frequent our clients and our sponsors and we also love to hear your feedback so if you had a really good experience um we've had a couple people order fab fit fun boxes for their Yay. themselves their moms their girlfriends they really really love fab fun and we've also heard bioclarity people that ordered bioclarity skincare loved it So we like to hear your feedback because we really pick and try to just only endorse products and people that we really love. So if you have a great experience, we want to hear it. If you have a not so great experience, we want to hear it because it's all about you guys. Total Dental Care in Maryland. We love Dr. Mary. I've had so many amazing experiences with her. You need to make your dental appointment. Best part about Mary and everyone that works in her practice, they never judge you, okay? So if you haven't been to the dentist in two years, 20 years, it's all good. They take everyone from little baby babies all the way up to your grandmother. You can just bring your grammy i mean grammys need teeth love too what am i dentures my dentures (laughs) i hope at that age that i'm getting the veneers oh yes i know at 50
1: take these suckers out don't you want the veneers like they're always chiclet white like they never stain i mean it reminds me of like yeah it's it's like a little too much I, i want the like the ones that actually look real which doctor Mary? I'm I know. Sure can I want the
0: fake ones. So when I just oh. open
1: these, it's just two lines of
0: chiclets. You're like that bitch has got the fakest bitch. teeth I've ever Botox seen in my life. Botox and
1: chiclet teeth. Oh my god! I want it to be
0: so nipped and tucked and like pulled <laughs> and just chiclet teeth. Ching! Anyway, uh, Dr. Mary is amazing. They do sedation dentistry. If you're nervous, no worries. They've got different forms of sedation. Um, Everything is state-of-the-art. They have massage chairs when you go and relax. TotalDentalCareMD.com Make your appointment. All right. we also have to thank OpenFit and then we're going to get into it. Uh, OpenFit is amazing. It's bringing you something new that makes it even easier to never miss a sweat session. Lose the commute to the gym and let the workouts come to you. OpenFit takes all the complexity out of losing weight and getting fit. It's a brand new super simple streaming service that allows you to work out from the comfort of your living room in as little as 10 minutes. I have done their 10 minute workout and it's super awesome. Because that's about, like, my attention span. You're like, Jesus, we're,
1: t- we're out of here. No, that's really good. You can just get it in the morning before you go to work. It's perfect. Access anytime, anywhere. View on your computer, web-enabled TV, tablet, smartphone, Roku,
0: anything you want. Forget all the complexity and stress around getting fit and just press play and work out on your schedule. 60, or 600 seconds with celebrity trainer Devin Wiggins packs the fat-burning muscle building and body sculpting benefits of much longer sessions into a fraction of the time you can do all that open fits has changed the way that AJ's working out, that I've worked out. Uh, you can use code CodeFrage, of course. You can join me as well as many others on this fabulous fitness journey because I'm all about getting healthy, feeling good for you. And again, use my code phrase and start using OpenFit to your journey to a healthier life. Right now, during the OpenFit 30-Day Challenge, listeners to our podcast get a special extended 30-day free trial membership to OpenFit where you can lose up to 15 pounds if you want to uh, in 30 days. Although I never do it for weight loss. I do it surely for health because, you know, everyone's on their own pace. When you text uh, the trial membership, it's phrase to 30, 30, 30. That's 30, 30, 30. You'll get full access to open fit, all the workouts and nutrition information. Totally free. Again, just text phrase to 30, 30, 30 and get that standard message and data rates may apply. How ironic. You will be too. Hungry Roots website, so easy to use as well. You just go, you can type in a type of cuisine or if you like chicken, or you can do preset where you tell them you're vegetarian, keto, or you're a meat lover. Right now, get 40% off. My listeners are getting 40% off your first delivery and free veggies. For life, just go to hungryroot.com/tsfs and get 40% off your first delivery and get your free veggies. That's hungryroot.com/tsfs. Don't forget to use my link so they know who sent you and get 40% off right now and free veggies for life. Do you hear that? That is the sound of the brand new and delicious U Natural Conception for her in their juicy strawberry gummy flavored. .com and tell them the Sarah Fraser show sent you. AJ, I wanted to talk two pop culture things, okay? Yes. Did you I really want you to start doing a Celine Dion impression. Did you see Celine Dion on James Corden with the carpool karaoke?
2: I just saw it this morning. You did. My wife was watching it's hilarious.
0: It is so I cannot even tell you. They're saying it's basically the best carpool karaoke, karaoke of all time. You can sing. Isn't he can sing? It's oh, yeah. oh no, he's, he's an actual like he's like a singer. He used to be at, like
1: did like a little Broadway. Like he's actually yes, he did. Like he does have a singing background. But wasn't she? She was so wacko, but like I loved it. And I don't know if I would go as to say like the best of all time because I think like he does so many good ones. Well, like Paul I think McCartney, all of them.
0: Yeah. Paul McCartney's my favorite because I think Paul McCartney was full circle. They went back to the house that Paul grew up in, saw like the piano, saw, went back to his bedroom. He talked all about his mother because I didn't realize Mother Mary, not that big of a Beatles fan, was written right after his mom died. <laughs> I know, and she came. Are you to American? Him. I, know. I know, I know. She came to him in a dream. I had no idea that's where the inspiration of that song. I didn't know that. Oh my god, it was so good. Look, Celine Dion's a Nut Sex. She looks she's like a the sack. female Liberace. It's a thousand degrees in Las Vegas. Look, she's wrapped
1: up like a mummy. She's got wrapped this up like a damn mummy outfit on with a big bow. A jacket is a hundred and twenty out. Celine. <laughs> no, but I did want to play is when she does the baby shark. Oh, play. yes, he has her do baby shark. It was so good. Well, let's let's see if I can like. Oh my God! Oh, and she like, like kisses and him? Oh, does? But she does this thing where she's like. What's this baby shark? You know oh,
0: popular kid song. It's to pick up. It's luckily for me.
1: Baby shark, do 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 do. do.
0: Baby shark, do 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 do. Baby shark, do 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 do. baby shark. I thought we were gonna get a chest bump there.
2: Baby shark, do 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 she, she I have like eats? Is she, I don't know. an incredible version of Baby Shark. Though. Is she
1: hitting bones in there? Like, I, what is she hitting? It sounds like she's got like like a bulletproof vest in there. I mean, did anyone know a skeleton? <laughs> she straight up hit her damn chest. You have got to do a
0: Celine impression. AJ on this show is an impressionist. Her impressionists have taken her all the way to Hollywood, literally. But okay, how hard would this be, AJ, for you to do? Are you going to be
1: James Corden in the front seat of my Jeep? Yes, Celine. Would it be possible for you if to we... do a rendition of Baby Shark? Baby Shark! Doo, 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 baby Shark! That oh, kind of hurt, actually, to <laughs> be honest.
2: Now, have you guys seen Celine live?
1: No, no have you? That would be amazing. amazing. Okay, <gasps> this amazing. guy is he's, he's everywhere. Okay. <laughs> you no, I haven't seen Celine girl. Dion
2: my live. My, and, and my wife and I saw her about 10 years ago in D.C. Really? She's coming, she's coming again next, uh, next spring.
0: I heard that in 2020. We got to yep. go. I we mean, got to go.
2: Good luck if, if you want to spend like $500. We're going to get it sponsored. Oh, Who do well, we have to? There you go. <laughs> yes, <we're
1: laughs>
2: Better yet. I mean, we're just
1: throwing out big claims here. I'm like, I hope we get it sponsored. Oh my God. Isn't she
0: amazing though? Unbelievable. She's incredible. And you know what's fascinating? I mean, to keep that voice, right? For all the, because lots of times- She takes you, care of herself. She takes such good care of herself. The thing that my favorite part is, she's in this video and she has a massive like diamond- I don't even know. A color stone I've never seen before. I mean, that, that has to be a half a million dollar.
1: You think that's real? Yes. What? Oh, I don't think the she wears- The cubits No way. I don't think she wears one no, thing know, like, if, if I was that rich, to be honest, I would still shop at TJ's. But maybe that's just like because where I came from. No, like It's wouldn't. my roots. I have a
2: hard time spending money on stuff like that.
1: A ring that big? When I think about like the starving people in the world, I'd be like, no, nah, I'm wearing cubic. And I would be proud to say it.
2: Well, <laughs> selfishly, I, I wouldn't think about the starving people. I just would think I don't want to spend my money on that. <laughs>
1: So. <laughs> has nothing to do with any starving people. No,
2: sorry. No, she,
1: but in, in the interview, she said she has over nine hundred pairs of shoes. Nine thousand. Nine thousand. Like what? And she's so obsessed with them. And they gave them out to people in Las Vegas. Do you think those were her actual shoes? Yeah, from I, her? Do. I do. I because I think you're so rich. She they just went and bought. They were like, okay, like let's just buy four totally pairs of Jimmy. Totally on eBay Chu. now, though. But you don't oh, think yeah. they're her real shoes? I think they just went out and got. Shoes. I, I do too. I actually think they probably no went one's to Jimmy
2: wearing those shoes. They're on eBay.
1: Oh, I'd he's be like, yo, y'all just see Carpool Karaoke? These are the shoes I got. And they actually show the people's faces. And one guy said, no. What are you, an idiot? <laughs> no, like, li- like, one guy was like, no, I don't want those. <laughs> she is so crazy, and I loved it so much. She is so
0: just, talented. And she's, she's, is like she still dating,
1: like, the 25-year-old? Like, oh, good for you.
0: Good question. Oh, yeah, she's getting it whenever. Like, she is just, like, the best. <laughs> She's getting <laughs> a- ass. We're doing all the sex stuff before we get on Chris. I can't wait. Uh, Did anyone see the picture of Lenny Kravitz, 54 years old, shirtless on his day off yesterday? Oh, my God. This man. How do you look like this? I mean, is this HGH? What is it? What do you think it is? I think he's just like working out and... uh, I don't know. 50? Over 50 years old. He looks amazing. He posted that this was his day off of his routine. I mean... Have you ever seen, he looks like he's got the body of a 25 year
1: old day off photo shoot. Yeah, he really does. Eight Speechless. pack abs. Eight pack. I don't even know. Speechless.
2: Yeah. That's unbelievable.
1: I know. Isn't
0: that crazy? Uh, last story too is we Hot. were watching paradise hotel, which is a show on Fox, which was like a dating show already been canceled four episodes. Okay.
2: Surprising. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I blame what about the bachelor
2: in paradise. Are they still doing that one?
1: Still doing that. Do they? I don't think they... That wasn't canceled. Up my, wife, my wife
2: is obsessed with The Bachelor and The Bachelorette. The new one just started. Now... And, and I have to watch this show if I want to get any love, you know? It's one of those things husbands <laughs> husbands have to do.
1: You're like, <laughs> okay, so, can we watch this and then we can like cuddle?
2: Or right? something like that. Some, <laughs>
1: yeah. So my thing is, I was actually... I don't like The Bachelor or any of those shows. I just can't really get into it. I can't devote that much time. But for some reason, I was obsessed with this show. Paradise I, Hotel. I don't know why. I was obsessed with it.
2: I'll tell you what, The Bachelor, this is such an unrealistic show. What they really need to do is they need to send these two people, like this group of people that are dating, and then put them in the room with five whiny kids that need to you know, change diapers and have real life, and then see if they still really love each other.
0: Oh, that's actually a good idea. That would
2: be the best way to figure out whether or not you're meant to be, is if you can withstand that. I've done it. <laughs> it's not easy. <laughs> 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 can't
1: believe it. I just think it's just trash TV. And I just, it, I'm going to do a whole recap. It'll be on my YouTube, like literally episode one to four. I mean, I, I can't, Kristen Cavallari is the host. I know. Well, that's why I feel like it got canceled. Like, she's just
0: not a good host. <laughs> but listen, if
2: you're looking for the best, the best new show on Netflix, you've got to watch Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Have you seen the show?
0: No, crazy. Is this a reality show?
2: It's no. It's it's a real show on Netflix called Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. It is the most hilarious show. They have music videos actually in the show. This woman just total random woman started making these these music videos about like really funny stuff. Okay, and and they they like picked her up and she started this show and it's it's got four seasons. You will laugh so hard. Watch it. I'm telling you, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. My wife and I are hooked.
1: All right. Well, I never that made it longer than Paradise Hotel. Now this is the third. This is the third time they tried to bring it back. Third reboot, third yeah. reboot, third and time and is not the charm. Third time it ain't the charm, y'all. <laughs> but you guys have to watch. Just just look at the trash. It's it's premium trash. Just well, go this, watch one episode. They
0: had a bunch of people. They're all at a pool. They like try to date each other, and then every week, like someone like they pair up with each other who they think they like, and then there's one person like odd person out. They have to try to fight their way back in to find someone's affection. Oh, I have never it guessed was,
2: that was that's the way it goes. <laughs> yeah,
0: you know, right. And, those
2: shows are so unpredictable. Yeah. No.
0: <laughs> Chris Doyle, you could have a career in pop culture I talk know. as well.
2: This is much more fun than talking about sexual identity.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Let's do
2: this again. I'll come back next week.
0: Um, our <laughs> guest today is Christopher Doyle, who has been on the show. If you guys have been a longtime listener, this is a throwback. He was in our first year of the Hay for H podcast, back when Sammy was co-hosting the show. And we really, I think, found you because at that time, has Virginia banned conversion therapy? Was that?
2: So they're about to to ban it, I think, through their licensing board, but they haven't passed a, a legislative law yet. Maryland has, and Washington, D.C. Ha- D. has, and I'm suing the state of Maryland. It's Doyle v. Hogan. You can look it up. <laughs> you
0: great are, I'm sure. Our I think we're going to win, too. <laughs> do you really or no? I do. Yes, really? because
2: uh, Yes, because last year, the Supreme Court passed a, um, a a landmark decision in a 5-4 majority, and I talk about it in the, in, the, in the section of this book on the war in the courtroom, I call it. And basically, what the Supreme Court said was that um, the state of California could not uh, force pro-life pregnancy centers to give their clients information on uh, free and low-cost abortions. The state of California said through this reproductive act that they had that that the pro-life pregnancy centers had to do this because they called it um, medical speech or professional speech. Okay? okay, it's not just speech; it's professional speech, and therefore okay. it's regulated and by the state. Well, the Supreme Court, via Justice Anthony Kennedy, who just retired, by the way, and uh, Clarence Thomas, uh, said. There's no such category as professional speech. Speech is speech. So why does this matter for conversion therapy bans, right? Well, it matters because all of these laws that have currently gotten through and have been upheld in the Ninth Circuit and the Third Circuit Court of Appeals when they've been challenged, okay, has said that, yes, you can ban therapeutic practice because it's not just speech, it's also medical conduct, which falls under this invented category of speech called professional speech, which was just struck down last June in a 5-4 majority of the Supreme Court. So... Now you have a precedent that says that medical speech is not constitutional, and that has been struck down. And we already see there's one court case in Tampa, Florida, where this, where the um, the, the district magistrate says no. You cannot uh, regulate speech, and this is the precedent that we're using in the, in the case against Maryland, and we think it's going to be overturned.
0: Um, when, when will that case actually be heard? Do you have any idea?
2: Preliminary injunction is going to be in early August, and we are hoping that uh, the, the, the judge will actually um, uh, roll for summary judgment, and it'll be all over.
0: So you, Chris, just to reintroduce you, you are a sexual identity gender therapist, essentially helping people discover who they really are, their sexuality. A lot of the clients that come to you, and this is not your total practice because you have a family practice where you see couples, where you see people who are not gay, who are not struggling with sexual identity. Yes. Um, but another part of your practice is for people who come to you who feel like they are struggling sexually. They have sexually. conflicts. They have conflicts yep. with their sexuality. Right. Um, you know, it's controversial what you do because you get looped into the conversion therapy. And even in conversations that we had today with other people in this office, you know, you can sort of say what you do, but people really believe that you are a conversion therapist and that you've just dressed it up with some different words. So what do you say to that? I mean, I've started reading the book. The book is is pretty conservative in arguing that essentially conversion therapy, you say, is really kind of a crazy sect of people who were electrocuting people to help them not be gay well conversion, conversion
2: therapy is is um it's unregulated it's not uh, it has no ethics code it's ill-defined and, and broad in nature uh no licensed counselor that i know of and i and i work with many people across the country actually calls their work conversion therapy what we do see um with conversion therapy if, if it exists is unlicensed untrained uh non-mental health um professionals Perhaps religious people that uh, believe that they're helping people, but they're really misguided and they u- they really are using uh, things like shame and really just religion in order to try to make people feel bad for being uh, LGBT. That's not licensed therapy. Licensed therapy is what I do is we work with clients and it's called client centered therapy, meaning that clients come in with goals some of those clients feel like they have unwanted same-sex and, uh, attractions Attraction. and gender okay. identity conflicts, and they don't believe that they were born this way. They believe that there may be causes as to why they feel that way, and I help those clients resolve those issues and come to who they really are.
0: And the, part of the reason I wanted to have you on is in my lifetime, I went to an all-women's college. I was telling you this off mic. Two of the people that I knew actually went to conversion therapy. Their families, even as adults, these these people were in their early 20s. Uh, one spent over $20,000 going to a religious Retreat and camp Uh, The other person Saw a rabbi That was trying to Counsel her Not to be gay They both went on To marry Same-sex partners And then I also Have a person That I know Who is so tormented By their sexuality I believe That they are uh, Truly a lesbian They feel like They cannot really Be like that Because of many Many things And they just Are so tortured They try to have These same-sex Relations Or heterosexual Relationships That don't work out Um, So I wanted to Make that really clear Because obviously I do not believe In conversion therapy Neither do I We don't in this show. Thank you. I want I want to make that clear because every time I talk to people about you, they sort of at first they sort of him and Han roll their eyes and go, oh well, you know, he's just a it's just a dressed up conversion therapist.
2: Well I think people have to make choices. And I think you know, any good therapy is when you go see a therapist and they don't have already an objective in mind for you. Some of these people that you that you know that probably have gone and seen therapists have already had a preconceived agenda for what their clients should be and who they are. Well,
0: definitely their parents did. You know, like they were so... Uh, like, yes, but
2: then they probably sought out someone right, who absolutely. had that opinion sure. and probably tried to persuade them. But in good therapy, we don't persuade people. We ask good questions. And this is what I say in the beginning of the book is that a good therapist asks good questions. But if you can't ask good questions, we've entered what Camille Paglia, who's a lesbian feminist that works at the University of the Arts in Pennsylvania, says um, that we've entered a period of psychological stupidity where you can't ask any questions of people that have sexual and gender identity conflicts and help help them understand if they want that, why they might feel that way.
0: No. Okay. But why would a person want this? Because I feel like we are in this time, right? We're like, be who you are. If you're trans, it's great. Let's celebrate it. I have a 13 year old niece, like almost everybody in her uh, class now identifies as pansexual. So it seems like and of course, this is after years of, you know, of just like, oh, my God, homosexual people living in fear of and rightfully so. Yeah, It's
2: horrible. And I talk about this in my book in the chapter on Stonewall. I mean, you know, the homosexuals in, in you know in, in the in the nineteen sixties, fifties and seventies, they were they were subjected to horrible, horrible abuse. Yeah, if you were gay, you know, yeah. torment. You know, they couldn't be open about their orientation. They had to go and have sex and and horrible public, you know, you know, by the rivers and by the boat yeah. docks and things like that in order to hide it. It's awful. That's not good. And 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 worse, they were exploited. By the mafia in New York City at Stonewall, and then the police were in on it. The police were taking kickbacks from mm. the mafia at the Stonewall Inn, which is you know now it's of you know, course it, and the by the way this is the, for... in just a couple of weeks. This will be the 50th year of Stonewall, right? The 50th anniversary of, of basically the 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 modern birthplace of gay rights. Right. Um, 50 years now. So, you know what came out of Stonewall? I actually argue as a as a conservative person, right, that lived a homosexual life for a number of years, now married to a wife and. And you know, resolve these issues, I know, I want to talk I,
0: about your story because I, I argue
2: that, you know th- that some of the outcome from the gay rights movement has been really good. You know, it's it's reduced stigma. It's reduced prejudice. It's allowed people to really make choices and not be shamed for who they love or who they're attracted to. I believe those are very good things on its face. The problem I have is that it's become so politically correct and bias has so infiltrated our mental health system that it's discriminating against people now that might not want to live that way that might be seeking alternatives. And good therapists, we ask good questions. So we help them resolve those issues that they're having conflicts with, not say, well, you're just this way and you need to accept it. That's right. not good therapy. It's also not good therapy to say you shouldn't be gay and you should change to straight, go, to, go from gay to straight. And if you don't, you're bad. Right. You know, we need to take a middle ground there. So
0: tell me a little bit about your story. It's it's very empowering. Uh, you say that you grew up in a home that to the outside world looked like everything was it great. It was
2: great. We were, you know, it was a Jerry Falwell, uh, Reagan revolution, you know, conservative home. We went to church every Sunday. My parents loved each other. We had, you know, a great family life. But my parents were so emotionally wounded. My mom came from a broken home. My dad's father was an alcoholic, died young, beat his wife. Um, they were both very dysfunctional homes. And my yeah. And my parents were very emotionally unhealthy. And what that did was it created a very emotionally unhealthy atmosphere in my home. I didn't have good relationships with my parents. On the surface, they looked good, but emotionally, they were very unhealthy. I overattached, and I was overbonded with my mom because she really saw an emotional connection with with my father, and he came from an alcoholic home. So anybody that knows anything about a high-stress family from an alcoholic home, um, only the addict can feel in an alcoholic home. And my dad learned how to turn off his emotions wow. as a way to defend himself. Right. So then, you know, he marries my mom and, you know, they get married and they love each other. But my dad is emotionally bankrupt. He's sure. emotionally left field. And so I was born, I was the youngest of three. I'm the sensitive, creative, artistic little boy. And what I bond with my mother and my mom starts to get her emotional needs met in me. So from a very young age, and she didn't do this on purpose, it was because of her wounding. So from a very early age, I attached much more to my mother and there was this emotional type of incestuous relationship between me and my mother. Camille Paglia talks about this in in the introduction of my book, right? She says that in every history of of gay men, their childhoods, they can see there's this drama happening between these gay men and their mothers. And you can see this so clearly when you talk about the history of those in the LGBT community. Ask any gay man. I'm telling you, this is not a homophobic or bigoted thing to say. They always have this drama drama between them and their mother they're overattached to their mother and they are emotionally disconnected from their father it okay. happens so all like, the time i
0: need every gay guy like i need to know if that's true cuz i feel like i never like i've got to go back and ask my uncles if they ever feel that way because that's like part of this like I'm it's so you, common and then I'm like this part this is the part where I kind of like lose you because I'm like really is that
2: oh totally I mean I've sat with these with, with these persons for 10 years and I'm telling you this is like 95 or more percent of the of the male clients that struggle with their sexual identity have this sort of dynamic growing up in their home and that was my dynamic so fast forward you know many years um I struggled with my sexual identity. I had homosexual relationships. I had heterosexual relationships. I couldn't have healthy relationships at all because I had attachment problems. But, and
0: it, but on top of that, when we when we first, and I I know you say this in the book, you also, at one point when you were 10 or 11 years old, was that when you were sexually abused by a cousin, right? It was.
2: I was sexually abused for a year by an older female cousin. Okay. And that really also really hurt and screwed my sexuality up because I did not know how to have a healthy, emotionally connected relationship with sure. anybody. So- when I became a young adult, I really started to do some work on myself. And as I resolved some of those um, issues that, that stem from sexual abuse and some of the um, childhood dynamics in my family, I really um, resolved same-sex attractions. And for me, that was my journey. I'm not saying that everybody's journey is like that. But what I can say is that good therapy and and good good people working with those to resolve these issues can help those who are struggling. It doesn't have to be shame-based. It doesn't have to be bigoted, homophobic. It can be very healthy and ethical, and that's the kind of work that I do.
0: Yes, but that's very hard for you to do, right? Because it, because we are in, and that's really what your bo- your book argues for, is you want to be able to practice this type of open, look, it's fine if you are gay. If you right. don't want to be, you should be able to see. Let the
2: client it, choose.
0: Let the client choose. But that's very hard to do, right? Because of basically the laws that are that are being put in place with conversion therapy, right? You would essentially not be able to ask any of those questions.
2: Well, the problem is, is that the laws are written so vaguely that um, a, a licensed therapist is... Can, it's so hard for them to determine if they're really violating the law by asking certain questions and doing certain interventions. Let's say uh, someone comes in, into your office and you're a counselor like me and they're, they've been sexually abused and they believe that their sexual abuse has something to do with their unwanted same-sex attractions. Okay. If you help that client resolve the sexual abuse and somehow that changes the client's sexuality and you didn't even mean to do that but it just happened on its own, you could possibly be in violation of this conversion therapy ban law.
0: Ah, okay. That's making more sense. Okay. I see what you're saying.
2: Now, a very astute counselor might know how to get around that, but there's so much controversy and so much liability working with clients like this that many counselors just throwing their hands up and saying, I'm not going to work with people at all like this. So then the end result is those clients don't, and they're conservative usually, they come to therapy, they they don't believe that they're gay, they, they're trying to resolve these issues, and now they have no licensed counselor to go to, well, where are they going to go to? A backwater religious program that says they can convert them from gay to straight and possibly harm them.
0: So uh, one of the things too, though, with conversion therapy is there's just a lot of argument and, you know, again, I, I kind of said to you, I want to be even more prepared on this, but in the reading that I've done, it seems like there's just overwhelming... Consensus that conversion therapy just doesn't even work right like I mean these sort of backwater none of it works most people end up you know being who they are which is lots of times gay
2: those those unlicensed untrained types of programs um, typically just concentrate on uh, people just suppress their sexuality and and what the work that I do And is that we're getting to the emotional issues and there's emotional issues underneath sexuality. It's not about sex per se. That's why the first book uh, that I wrote was called the meaning of sex. And I talk about in the book that sex is not about sex. It's about emotional attachment, intimacy, and bonding. And so when we help clients get to the early childhood experiences of what occurred in their childhood and then identify any sort of traumas or unresolved issues, we resolve those issues and and much more clearer they become as far as their their sexuality.
0: What happens if you're a sex addict? What's going on?
2: That's different issue. That's sexuality. It's not sexual orientation. Okay. So we have to remember that there's a difference between sexuality and sexual orientation. Got it. Sex addiction is all about you know compulsive sexual behavior, and in their and they're doing it in order to relieve usually anxiety or depression or underlying issues. Sexual orientation is who you're who you're attracted to, whether it's guys, girls, or both, or some or no one really.
0: Now with your therapy, it does seem that it is religious based as well, right? Like
2: it's not religious based in the sense of. Um, it's it's value it, meaning that I, I embrace those with the religious values and I allow them to use those in therapy. But I don't you know I don't counsel from the Bible. I don't use biblical scripture to, to, to do my work. It's all emotional and psychological based. But I welcome the clients' Christian values or or and I have clients that are Jewish, Christian, Muslim. Um, I've had clients that are Sikh as well. Um, I welcome them and their values, but I don't you know use those um, scriptures or anything to to help me in my counseling.
0: Um, Tell me this, too, because I, I thought this was interesting. Someone had mentioned to me today, they said, I'd be really curious to see, does Chris ever counsel people of color? You know, because this seems like a very. Absolutely. You do.
2: But there's disparities there, like we discussed. You know, the, the, not not enough um, people of color have access to good mental health coverage. And also there's cultural uh, stigma that's attached to therapy, psychotherapy and counseling. And so in my in my experience, what I've what I've uh, most worked with with people of color in the past is having more solution oriented approaches that are more focused on practical, uh, practical things that they can do because in my experience, especially with African American population, they, they they more respond to that. Um, I've had Asian Americans in, in counseling with me and, and that's the that's the, the least um, represented clientele I've ever experienced in therapy really? because there's so much shame in the Asian culture. And um, around they, therapy. Yes, around because mental yeah mental health is very stigmatized and and uh, it's very shame based. And same, similar, similar dynamic, um, very solution-oriented type of approach for therapy. Um, so you have to, you have to let the client lead and figure out what they want
0: us about a typical session like what happened what is a client coming to you like give us kind of like this all-around example because it's it's fascinating to me you are located in Manassas Virginia you've had this practice for 10 years um you are a bit of an outlier in in what you are doing um and you know in this show where we sort of are anything goes and, and we encourage people to design their own lives you know it's always fascinating is there somebody that really relates to your voice you know that here's what you're saying that here's your story and feels the same way and they should have the right to decide who they want to be. Um, So tell us about a typical client journey, how they come in, what kind of attachment issues they have, how does it go?
2: Clients come in with conflicts and we work through their conflicts, whether that be emotional, sexual or otherwise. If a client comes in and they they don't have a conflict, I say, what are you here for? <laughs> what are we working on? <laughs> yeah, right. right. So, so we work with clients' conflicts. And so uh, typically for clients that struggle with, with sexual or gender identity, we're looking at psychodynamic factors in the past that may be producing conflicts in the present. So the concept of integration is a concept that I use a lot in therapy because we experience wounding, emotional wounding, typically, and other types of wounding, but lots of emotional wounding in childhood. And when we don't resolve those emotional wounds- an, an example what's, uh, a,
0: what's something that happens in child, lots uh, of childhood
2: bullying um okay. you know um being being um not having all of your all of your needs met or being loved rightly by by your parents maybe okay. your father um, maybe there was dysfunctional relationship in, in your parents relationship i would imagine
0: divorce all that sure, stuff you know is going to blow up all, all
2: those over. are emotional wounds right yep. and then and then growing up not feeling a, a healthy sense of self um, lots of my clients, like I said, grow up in, in fa- families where it's emotionally unhealthy and they don't learn how to process their emotions. So they start, they end up um, developing things like anxiety and depression. And so we go back and we identify emotional wounds from childhood. And then after we identify those emotional wounds, we figure out how they're affecting the client in present day. Usually they're unconscious. They don't know how these, cl- how these wounds are affecting them in present day. And oftentimes what it does is it, 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 it creates a, a sort of sabotage for them in their relationships in current day. They're, they're affected by the unconscious stuff that's happening, that's stuff from the past. And so we try to bring that to the present, oftentimes by doing, um, you know, mainstream psychologically based interventions like eye movement, desensitization and reprocessing EMDR. And we use EMDR to help resolve trauma. I do it a lot with my clients. Interesting. Um, there, there's no, it's, it's a sexual orientation neutral intervention. There's nothing about it that is, that is um, you know, f- Focused on, on gay or straight people Or changing anyone or anything like that Okay
0: well obviously you know I go to therapy I talk about it a lot in this show So I've been to many therapists I, You know my father passed away when I was in high school So that blew up our family unit That must have been really hard Very difficult it Took me 10 years to get into therapy And really deal with it and resolve it My brother uh, is recovering alcoholic He's been sober for almost 8 years I think a lot of his emotional stresses You know come from that But it's interesting to me Because i have two therapists One for mindful eating and living And then a couples therapist but they never ask you about sexuality. So like, they, I mean, they do. And they they ask you about personal trauma. So then I mean, then I'm always like kind of this is where like you lose me a little bit. Like, how do you get into the sexual part? Like, because they oh, never it's, my ask spe- that. it's
2: my specialty. So people people seek me out who having who are having sexual and gender identity conflicts. So in in the field of therapy, it's just like in in medicine, you know, everybody specializes. So you go to, you know, you go to a gastroenterologist in order to deal with issues of the stomach. You go to a, you know, a heart surgeon to deal with issues of the heart. With this, it's no different. You know, people that have sexual and gender identity conflicts come to me because I have experience and training working in that area.
0: Okay. Okay. Because, yeah, it was like, well, I go to a regular therapist. They never seem to ask you about that.
2: Oh, I don't think any therapists are regular. We're all kind of weird. Yeah.
0: (laughs) They're all kind of on. Okay. Um, so, you know, once somebody comes to you, because you, you said you have trans clients. And the thing I think that people also misunderstand about you is, like you said, you have clients that also decide that they want to be trans. Right. You have some clients that you've counseled in the past that are trans people. They, nothing changes. Um, so how do you think along the way that people have sort of taken what you do out of context so much?
2: I think there's a political narrative that's uh, out there. And I describe in the book, it's um, you can get it on amazon.com. Now you get our yes. website. Tell Institute, us yeah, where people Institute can get Heal, it. Institute for healthy families.org. You can get it on amazon.com. It's the war on psychotherapy.
0: It is deep. I mean, I'm reading it and I'm like, I need to do a lot of follow up. You, you have to like...
2: understand. We well, have to understand the history of the, of the, of the modern gay rights movement. You know, after Stonewall hit in 1969, you know, gay rights uh, started in every major city in the next year, and they started doing gay rights uh, parades. and And then, you know, 1973, I discuss this in a book. The American Psychiatric Association removed homosexuality from their Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders. And since that time, and by the way, that was all done. F- on a on a very political um, basis. So there wasn't any new science that determined that. It was simply an uprising of activism. So since that time, there's been a steady, steady decline in, in actually the diagnosis of any sort of sexual issue at all, including homosexuality. So you really have a hard time going to see a therapist and working through a sexual issue. It's not really in the DSM. And certainly, um, then in the next edition of the DSM, we're going to see a change, I believe, in the diagnosis of gender dysphoria. It used to be gender identity disorder. Okay. In the DSM four, now it's gender dysphoria. And now the next DSM, which is the DSM five, I believe that the that the gender dysphoria will be completely removed from mental conditions and it will completely be put in a new category of medical conditions. And there's a reason for that. The trans activist community doesn't want gender dysphoria to be removed from the DSM because then that won't allow health insurance reimbursement for medical surgeries to remove genitals and produce new genitals and gender transition. So this is very politically based and this is all affecting homosexuality, sexuality, gender issues. And I talk about this in the book of how this, now our mental health institutions and our healthcare industries are not being guided by sound science they're being guided by political correctness and politics.
0: OK, but the, see, but that's the thing is, is like, don't you feel like if someone is transgender and they make that choice, I mean, and then they want to have corrective surgery. Like I look at what Chris Jenner has gone through. I look at Jenny Boyle, who is a is a uh, longtime professor at Colby College in Maine, one of the first trans uh, women to really write a book. I mean, what they go through is just so you know they're definitely tormented
2: people but we have to remember that you know some of the follow up studies um you know that we've looked at for post operative transgender persons indicates 40% of them commit suicide post operative so just removing your genitals and giving you new ones is not always going to solve those internal problems I... and the other thing we have to remember here is that now this cultural phenomenon of transgenderism is affecting children and and, and children at the at, at a very young age are starting to transition yeah. before they discover who they are now this is very dangerous because you're be you're being you're you're giving children as young as 12 13 years old and sometimes even younger puberty blocking hormones which are going to result in permanent sterilization of their body parts. If those children would get good therapy, 85 to 95% of them the science shows that they will end up um, they will end up resolving those psychological issues and end up as, um, keeping their same sex.
0: But isn't it someone's right to choose? Like, here's my thing is, like, I think it should be covered by insurance. It totally like is you... someone's
2: right. Sir, it's totally someone's right to choose. But you have to remember that that if you have an ideological perspective on on the transgender phenomenon, all these clinics around the United States are popping up. There's like 50 clinics now, and their only protocol is pushing children into immediate gender gender for transition. For what
0: reason, though? Why you think for insurance reason that they're getting money off every that- kid that?
2: Absolutely, but I I think it's ideological. It's not just it's not just medical. It's ideological. It's not just money based. There's many reasons. So what I'm saying is a good protocol would be, which is what the protocol used to be. It's called watch and wait. Okay, which means that those who have these issues they go through therapy and they work through underlying issues. And if they're 18 or 19 or 20 years old and they still want to, they still want a gender transition at that age. Let them do that. But okay, so
0: you're advocating for, look, that kids basically should wait.
2: They should wait.
0: And, and you would be for a law saying that, like, kids should have to wait until they're 18 before they could legally transition.
2: That like, is that is the law, in actually, some states already you can't okay. you can't get gender assignment surgery, reassignment surgery, um, usually before eighteen because there's parental issues to, as well as parental consent and there's other you know, yeah. ethical issues. But what's happening is that even if you're not getting gender reassignment surgery, these kids are getting puberty blockers, which can which can lead to permanent sterilization. So, wouldn't that be a tragedy if your thirteen year old daughter was sexually or gender identity confused and for three years took hormones to 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 block puberty, right and And then at 16 or 17 or 18, decided that actually no I really am a girl but now I'm permanently sterilized because I didn't get good therapy and I was pushed into this agenda
0: but then can't you put that both ways like to me like what if that is who the child really is and then you know you're denying them the ability to live as they who as they truly are and I mean I think the ideological part is like finally we're getting to a place where society is like look we are accepting trans people like it isn't okay to be violent towards trans individuals even though they're still very much in danger it's, I ho- mean,
2: it's horrible there's lots of violence towards trans people it's a, it's a really bad problem but that doesn't solve the mental health issues that we're talking about we have to we have to stay on that track right people that are going through gender gender confusion they have a higher rate of mental health issues and we need to help them address those issues if we do our due diligence and help those clients do that and they still at the age of 20 18 19 20 want to gender transition that's fine but we have a responsibility as mental health clinicians to help people understand what's going on inside of them, not just look at an outward solution.
0: Do are there a lot of other I don't see publicly, but are there a lot of other therapists that support you, support uh, this idea? I mean, you know, I, I don't hear a lot of other. There are
2: more th- than you think, but not many of them write books and come onto the Sarah Fraser podcast.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, yeah. You're very. I mean, you're very. Bold to put it out there. There's a lot of
2: there's a lot of fear out there because of the political correctness and because people, you know, they're afraid that they're going to be sued or they're going to get their livelihoods taken away. They're going to be bullied. Well, you know, I've been I was bullied for many years in high school. Yeah,
0: so you're you, so I'm you're, not going
2: to be bullied anymore. You know, this is what I believe. I'm I a compassionate person. I believe in ethics. I think that it's it's right that a client has a right of self determination and that we need to respect that. That doesn't mean that we allow parents or families or churches or religious institutions to um, make vulnerable LGBT population feel bad about themselves. I advocate for those young people in the families that I work with, and I make sure that we do good family therapeutic interventions that get the whole family involved in the healing process, not isolating a child and saying that they're bad. That's bad therapy.
0: Wow, how did the families take that? Because I am assuming a lot of times, uh, just know, did it
2: this weekend. I do it once a month, and you know what? The family the and these th-
0: are with what kids that are that are ba- they're struggling with who they are. This so,
2: weekend, it was a trans as a trans client that I had That's 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 eighteen years old, and that I work with the whole family, not just the trans client, but I work with the brothers and sisters of this of of the client and their whole family. And after two days of doing intensive home 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 based therapy, where I work on emotional and relational healing, there is so much clarity as to what's going on in the family dynamic and people learn how to love each other the right way and accept everyone.
0: Wow. Um, Chris, so the book is called The War on Psychotherapy. People can get it on Amazon. It's when sexual politics, gender ideology and mental health collide. So in, you know, if you could sort of like wave a magic wand and you know have everything that you talk about in the book come true, because you at the end you essentially offer solutions of right. how that you say that essentially the LGBTQ community can kind of coexist with your type of therapy. Um
2: Yeah, and I'm work I'm so, working with, you know, gay identified psychologists from the APA. I mean, Dr. Lee Beckstead is one of them that um, we've recently been working on a bridge building project. I talk about him in the last chapter. He now, who was is actually He, is he, like he was very, one of the authors of the APA task force report in two thousand nine that basically said that sexual orientation change after therapy is harmful well it turns out that he actually changed his mind in the sense that he knows that that report was liberally was a, a lot of liberal bias and kind of shut out proponents that that might You know, agree with me. And he actually started bridge building and reached out to members of our community and we started working together. So, yeah, we're writing a book together with other colleagues. And we're also writing a research article now on this very subject. And uh, we are you know, it's encouraging because we're working together now. And that's what I say in in that chapter. You know, it's called, um, you know, a, a call to lay down arms. Good fences make good neighbors. And we are actually talking with those who have diverse opinions and actually coming together in order to have good ethics and reduce harm for clients who are in the sexual and gender minority spectrum.
0: Wow. Okay. That, okay. And the APA, tell us what that is. The APA stands so for? So that's the
2: American Psychological Association. And there's two APAs. The APA is American Psychiatric Association. And then there's the American Psychological Association.
0: Okay. So in an ideal world, the conclusion that you come to in this book that you would like to see is what?
2: Uh, good ethical therapy. That focuses on client centered outcomes, not agendas going into therapy, Um, having people tell the truth about their therapeutic experiences and not um, not make them up like some of the stories that I've, I've, I've actually shared in there. Um, and being able to um, understand what good therapy is that works with clients and their sexual and gender identity and what bad therapy is, which is conversion therapy, which is unlicensed, unregulated, bad therapy that doesn't really work with clients, but shames them. Yeah. Okay. So we have to say that there are good approaches to helping those who have these sexual and gender identity conflicts and that we can have ethics around those. We don't just need to ban the therapy and pass laws. That's not going to solve anything. You're not going to legislate morality. Therapists are still going to work with these clients, but the they're gonna end up going to, you know, backwater religious programs right. where they don't get real good help.
0: Right. Absolutely. So, so
2: we gotta keep what's good and get rid of the bad.
0: Wow. Um Everything good. Everything good. Chris Doyle. I mean And
2: Celine Dion.
0: And Celine Dion, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh my god. Age, do you have any follow up questions? People are very interested in this online. They're just like just very intent about watching you and listening and never heard it put this way. So very fascinating.
2: Well, the book is controversial.
0: The book is very controversial. If you like
2: controversial like it.
0: <laughs> it is. And it requires, I mean, you really have to read. And, you know, obviously everything is well documented and footnoted. And that is like where I want to go and, and look things up because it's, you know, I think the book, what was I was saying to you this morning when we were talking is the book, I think, is more... Um, maybe conservative than I know you in real life to be. You seem always, when I've interviewed you, very middle ground, you know, and willing to find that the book is a little bit stronger of a stance.
2: It is conservative because that's my background. But, but I, what I tell is I tell a story of how I how I have navigated through this. And at the end, I, I kind of let readers know that, you know, my conservative background has dictated the kind of way that I looked at this world as far as my own sexuality. But as I've worked within the greater um, sexual and gender minority population, I've become much more tolerant and compassionate understanding and and really focused on trying to help people of all walks of life. And that's why I ended the chapter with this is where we need to go and right. this is what the problem is right now. And this is here's here's some, here's some so solutions.
0: That is so good. I mean so so fascinating, I think. And I people can
2: change by the way. <laughs> can they? Really? Their sexuality changes, their political views change. Well that's
0: true. That is true. I okay. agree with that. Well, it's hard because, you know, I really do feel like people are born the way they're born. Right. I mean, and, you know, maybe a lot of people feel like they are transgender and maybe they are. I don't know. You know, it's hard to know if you don't walk in there.
2: Well, it's hard to really know for sure. But uh, but when you start asking people good questions, you can see predictable uh, patterns in people's childhoods. You start to form an understanding of why people feel the way they feel. Does that necessarily change their sexual or gender identity? Maybe, maybe not. You know, you know, we can't say for sure. We don't really know what everything causes people to change. You know, we know that the research says that sexuality and, you know, it changes throughout the lifespan with and without therapy. So Mm. for us to make a conclusive um, you know statement that says, yes, sexuality can change or no, sexuality can't change it. You're fixed and whatever you're at. Well, obviously, that's not true. I mean, look at Mayor Bill de Blasio of New York, who is, um, you know, you know, a very long shot to get the Democratic nomination. His (laughs) wife, um, his wife is actually a former lesbian.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's what I was saying to you, I think is fascinating, because like I said, I I went to an all women's college and many, many, I can't even name how many women that I knew um, that had relationships, lived with women all four years, years out of college, and then now are married to men. I mean, it's fascinating to me because I just, you know, I don't know. I haven't had that experience. I guess I've never never had that sexual Well,
2: get the book it's on yes. Amazon on our website instituteforhealthyfamilies.org. dot org Let yeah, where me know what you people, think
0: tell us tell us the website and you guys also have a Facebook page where you're always posting information Tell us those two places where people can find yeah, you. yeah
2: institute dot org or you can just look it up on amazon. com and you know get it the easy way
1: yes <laughs> it'll
2: be <laughs> it'll be out in e and Kindle next week as well it's, right now you can get it on paperback
1: okay cool. I was just going to say, do you have any tendencies? Now, I've never, ever had an encounter with a woman, and I grew up in a very religious family, but if you ever have a relationship with a, say you're a female, and you have a lesbian relationship, and then you go back to a male and a female heterosexual relationship, do you have tendencies to go back? Like, do you still look at women? Can people be both? J- sure.
2: Sure. I mean, sexuality is complex, and it changes throughout the lifespan. You know, you know people people change. There's there's actually people out there that have gone through change where they've reduced homosexual attractions and gotten married, and then they they found later in life where they've actually become more same-sex attracted later in life and, and, and vice versa so you know you know it, we have to remember that people people's sexuality and orientation is is often um, the result of many many factors and, and things going on in life it's not just one thing set in stone it's also right. based a lot by emotional attachment right. So people can people's sexuality and their feelings can change based on who they attach to and a lot of the research actually uh, shows that you know who you attach to has a great deal of who you're attracted to sexually
0: fascinating fascinating um uh, well thank you so much i'm so glad we did this show uh you can leave all your comments you can follow me at hey phrase on instagram it's at aj on the mic you can always dm us which is what people mostly do so let us know your thoughts on today's show you can always email sarah at Heyfrage.com. be sure to get your tickets to the live show amp by strathmore we'll see you on monday
1: bye guys bye everybody rock the cat spot rock the cat spot